Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Powerhouse Fitness Newcastle. Your home fitness store where you can save up to 50% off home fitness equipment in their biggest ever sale. Visit your local Newcastle store on Percy Street or visit www.powerhouse-fitness.co.uk. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove, joined by Mark Douglas and Chris Woff. We're going to do something a bit different today, obviously with the transfer deadline day tomorrow. We're going to speak to Mark and Chris about the last 24 hours, the Daniel Sturridge saga and Newcastle's uh, failed search for a striker and we're going to speak about what Rafa Benitez might say in his press conference which at the time of recording is just about an hour away, uh, two hours away sorry and then we'll speak to Chris when Chris returns from the training ground to see exactly what Rafa did say and where Newcastle United go from here. Uh, we'll start with you Mark first of all, um, the last 24 hours it's been a difficult ride for Newcastle United fans but we could argue no surprise really, we've been here before but mm. just, just how do you sum up the last 24 hours? Well, disastrous really for Newcastle in a lot of ways that not only did they miss out on Daniel Sturridge who was the number one target but he also went to West Brom so it strengthened a, a team that's below them, one of the few teams that are below them in the in the division um, I think they thought it was pretty far on really when, when we got to about lunchtime yesterday because Sturridge had agreed to travel to the North East I think that the, they'd met Liverpool's demands, which um, which was which was a positive. They'd agreed the loan fee and the wages as well. Um, but West Brom, I think, had done more of the kind of spade work around the deal before Newcastle kind of made their bid, um, and I think that that tipped it in their favour. I think probably as well. I've I've kind of mentioned it in a piece I've done today. I wouldn't be surprised if Sturridge. Um, I mean, Lee Ridus did a piece yesterday saying it was footballing reasons that, that Sturridge chose. I know, you know, we we probably all agree with Ian Wright and he said, you know, Newcastle's a great opportunity for a striker to go up there and get the adulation up here and, you know, it's a big stage. But by the same token, over the weekend, you had two very different displays from from uh, West Brom and Newcastle at away at top four teams. Newcastle went to Chelsea, were very cautious. The two strikers who they had on the field looked very isolated West Brom went to Liverpool and really went for it. Um, I mean, there's partly a little criticism of Rafa there because, but he's got less players than Alan Pardew has. I think West Brom were a better team. Sturridge probably looked at that and thought, "I'm going to get more chances at West Brom. I'm going to, I'm playing amongst better players. The midfield's more fluent. They're going to go for it a bit more." They went to Anfield and really did go for it. Newcastle went to Chelsea and played. You know, a, they try to mirror Chelsea and play a little bit cautiously. So I think that you know, there's all that. There's also his family from the West Midlands as well. Um, but you know, you, you kind of come to expect that. That's it does happen that you that sometimes you can't match what other teams have, have, have got on the table. Or depressing as it is that West Brom are ahead of Newcastle in some ways in, in that respect at the moment. The the problem for Newcastle is that they've left it so late, really, and they spent a week. And I can't really understand why they spent a week on Nikolai Jurgensen when. 
they weren't going to hit the value that the final wanted and they must have known that pretty early on from the negotiations the way that they were going i think final were from who people i've spoken to in in holland final were fairly reasonable about the whole thing they spoke to the player um final did and said you can go they knew he wanted to leave they knew that um, he would get more money here and they said that's fair enough they were open in the press conferences van bronker said all along We'll sell him if if a bid comes in, and you know I know that it might happen. And final said their one condition was a you have to meet the price, and then they said we want the player out by the end of Monday, or we want to know it's going to move before the end of Monday, so we can get somebody in, which I think is eminently reasonable. Um, so Newcastle knew that, and I think over from Friday that wasn't going to happen because you know they got to Sunday when they were playing, and if a player's going to sign for you, um, it's a multi-million pound deal. It needs to be done. You know, it's not going to be done in the matter of 12 hours. I don't think it's going to be done over 24, 48 hours at the very most. That very least, sorry, that's the amount it's going to take. So Newcastle left themselves in a real in a real pickle. And I think now uh, from here on in, they really they have to either um, throw caution to the wind and go out and um, put together a loan package for a player like Islam Slamani, who is on Rafa's list, who I think would fit the bill. Um, or they face the prospect of not bringing anybody in, seeing players, teams underneath them, strengthening, and they'll be in real. Uh, they'll be their position has been weakened rather than strengthened in January, which um, leaves Rafa Benitez with it all to do. But you know, this is Newcastle United we're talking about now. This is the third transfer window that's been on, um, just not fit for purpose, effectively, and you know there'll be a lot of anger out there, and Newcastle have brought it on themselves. Chris, I mean, Mark's got a point. We've, it is Newcastle. It's something we've maybe come to expect. Of course, Lee Charlie might uh, surprise us all in the next kind of well, less than forty hours, and bring someone in, and Rafa might get the strike that he desires. But right now, there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of worry um, to what the rest of the season might might hold. There is, and understandably so. I mean, as Mark says about the Organson deal. It strikes me as sort of a mini version of what happened with Saido Berahino two years ago. Newcastle were told in an early stage then, well, they were actually told that West Brom didn't want to sell Berahino, but they were told at that stage, if you want really want Berahino, it's going to be £30 million plus. And Newcastle never got anywhere near to matching that. I don't know what they thought was going to happen then. With Jorgensen, as Mark says, Feyenoord have been quite open all along. They've said if you... And I got, I got quite a lot of people joking me quoting a tweet that I put out the other day where... About uh, it was about actually about Dubravka, but it, the same applied to Jorgensen, and that Newcastle have been told a price, and if they meet it, the player can go. Now that's not always the case. Sometimes you get quarter price, and it, it brings it down. But, but Newcastle have been told you you pay twenty million euros, twenty million or twenty two million uh, twenty two million euros. Sorry, you will get Jorgensen. They didn't. They didn't get anywhere near that, and and it just didn't make any sense all along. What what they suddenly thought that Feyenoord was just going to come down the price. Feyenoord wouldn't have no financial obligation to sell. Um, so yes, the Newcastle still in theory have time to do a deal, but they're scratching around. And the frustrating thing, I'm sure, for Rafa and for Newcastle fans is that a they've wasted the whole of January without having a striker. If they've had a striker in place earlier, they might have beaten Swansea. Um, so that's two points potentially gone there because of it. No matter who they get in now, we are eight minutes to, to midday. So unless a player signs in the next eight minutes and is registered with the Premier League, wait, no, they, they can't they can't <laughs> play tomorrow night. So. Whichever striker does come in, if one arrives at all, they can't play against Burnley. 
Newcastle haven't won at home in seven games, so they're going to miss out on a striker playing then. If a play, if a striker does arrive, they're going to have a maximum three, four days to get ready for, for Sunday against Crystal Palace, another massive game. The whole thing is ridiculous. There's only, there's only 14 games left. There's only a maximum of 13 games any striker who comes in can actually play it now. I just think the whole thing has been bungled from the start. Benitez said he wanted players by the 15th or the 20th. We got the, it, it took the 20th before Mike Ashley even intervened to say that Newcastle could sign any players, which almost, I had one fan say to me the other day, and I, I see where he's come from to a certain extent, was is that was that almost, as soon as Benitez laid it down, I wanted to do it by January the 20th, did Mike Ashley think, oh, well, if he's laying that down to me, I'll wait until afterwards. I don't think that's necessarily the case, but the fact that we got that laid in the window meant Newcastle always playing catch-up, and they've just wasted time in this window, and it could... It really, at this stage, looks like they are going to be really, really up against it now for the rest of the season. I guess that's just about this window, is it? It's last summer, as you know, Benitez wanted to strike, he wanted Tammy and Pram, ended up with Jocelyn. You know, these are mistakes that keep getting repeated, and yeah. we're at the same stage again. Yeah, I think that, I think there's I think there's a problem with the way that Newcastle are operating, and Rafa identified that in the in the summer. I think that you know you added this extra layer of. Um, extra layer of bureaucracy in Justin Barnes and that has complicated matters because Lee Charley doesn't have the green light to just go ahead and um, and do deals uh, as he did this previous summer um, but having said that you know it does feel like you know I'm sure it's probably more complicated than this but it does feel like when Ashley intervened that he suddenly did have a bit more of a scope to go um, I still think funds were limited a bit more than they thought they'd get I think at the start of the window Rafa's basically was getting you have to sell to buy. I think that was that almost you know to have to sell to buy to, to get a big player in, and that was and that was a big problem. Um, but you know, I think the problem is that we've seen over the last three windows that if you don't if you don't go out and be dynamic in the, the way that you trade players, then you then it's going to be a problem. And Rafa's said that now for two successive windows, and he said it privately in the. Last January, that look if you go out and get three players, if you they had deals lined up for Townsend and Loftus Cheek, we've mentioned it before on the podcast, that would have been a number ten and a winger that you've wanted for so long. They, they would have been, they would have been here already this time. You know, if they'd have gone out a bit earlier in the window and got Sturridge, and the deal was there for for people to do, as you've seen by West Brom, he was open to signing for somebody else. Liverpool were, were open to selling him. They'd have gone out and got that deal a little bit earlier. They could have, um, you know, they, they could have gone and done it. If they'd gone Jurgensen a little bit earlier, maybe they could have done that as well. And it's the problem is that there's, um, you know, it's a dysfunction in there in the way that they operate. And um, uh, you know, I think, it, ironically, I think it would probably change in the summer if they stayed in the Premier League because they would suddenly have some funds um, because they'd have another set of TV money. And Rafa's hinted at that all the way along. But the problem is that they might not be in the Premier League now um, because. You know, it already looked like a squad that was running a little bit on empty up to Christmas, and now you've got the prospect of playing a Burnley side tomorrow who are hard to break down with a strike force that's just not good enough. Then they go to Palace on Saturday. Well, Palace are looking to do bits and pieces of business as well, and that's the problem, isn't it? That you've, you've seen other teams below your strengthen as well. Um, it's not just that they're strengthened; they've gone. They they identified the positions they needed to strengthen, and they've gone out and strengthened them. Yes, in some cases, Brighton's still looking for a striker. They, they're like they've signed two now, haven't they? They've signed two. Southampton have gone out and slashed twenty. Yeah, they've taken a risk on and got Carrillo. West Ham needed a midfielder. Tried to get Chelsea to so Eventually got a midfielder. Watford have got Defoe. 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 Yeah. So all these players 
the other teams have, have identified where they need to strengthen. They've gone out and done. Huddersfield have spent money this month as well. It's not just about just going out and splashing money for the sake of it. It's realising where you need to strengthen. And Newcastle need to strengthen these areas in the summer. They didn't do that six months further on, and we have less than 36 hours left in the window for them to try and do that. So why are the likes of Huddersfield and Brighton, who of course came up with Newcastle, why are they taking the gamble of spending the money while Newcastle are taking the other kind of gamble, not spending, it looks like, the money this January and, and risking the Premier League status? Well, at the moment, all we can do is, is try and theorise because it, we would love to sit down with, with Lee Charney and Mike Ashley and ask those specific questions. Um, I suppose that they would argue that when Newcastle went down, they invested a lot of money um, and that, that there's been a knock-on effect of that. But I thought that Glenn Hoddle's point on, on Sunday was an interesting one, that Newcastle bizarrely has spent more to get back in the Premier League rather than just staying it, which I think is, is an interesting way of looking at it. But that was basically Mike Ashley decided that summer there was a certain amount of money Newcastle could have. I know a lot of people say, well, they ended that summer £30 million in profit. They did, but there was also they lost a lot of money throughout the Premier League. They were on Premier League wages, they had a Premier League budget and every department so they did lose a lot of money that year but they're going to lose a heck of a lot more if they go down this year and taking the 15-20 million pound hit on signing a striker who gives you a decent chance of staying up in my opinion and I think in the majority of Newcastle fans opinions is worth the risk hmm. I think I think Chris is absolutely right that, that what will come from the, the club and you'll probably see in the next set of accounts that the relegation did have a massive impact on Newcastle's finances uh, on their revenue and um, Mike Ashley effectively I think loaned the club um, or he, he, it was we'll see we'll see in the accounts exactly what happened but I think that um, you know Mike Ashley made a personal investment in the club to get it back up um, and he said you know a year two years ago after the 2015 January transfer window when Newcastle did pay premium to sign players that the bank account was virtually empty and obviously that didn't improve after relegation um, and Newcastle had a year of, of not making any money I think that Rafa was uh, what, what's, what's really I think a bigger problem is not necessarily that the club haven't provided him with funds it's that they it's that you know because Rafa wasn't asking for millions and millions and millions what he was asking for was the club to act quickly and put some money into the signing so that he could then generate some money by selling players. So, for example, if you'd have gone out at the start of the window and signed um, you know, a, a Dan Sturridge, then you can sell Mitrovic. But you don't sell Mitrovic from a position of, we haven't got any other strikers. Because he's seen what's happened with Nikolai Jurgensen and what's happened with Dan Sturridge. You can always get Gazant. It's always a difficult position to be in. And if he sells Mitrovic, then... He's a player less, you know, and and that's the problem. But I, I think, you know, financially, Brighton and Huddersfield are in a better position um, than Newcastle to just go out and spend money because they have, you know, I don't think I thought I saw something about their wage caps. I've spoken to people at the Premier League. Newcastle don't have a problem. They're not going no, to break. They're, they're not going to break the Premier League wage cap, um, which was mentioned to to me before. Uh, they're just not. Uh, it's not close. It's very it? complex rules. Though. The Premier League wage cap. Yeah. Newcastle. There's there's three different ways Newcastle can get out of it, and they can revert back to three years ago when yeah. the wage bill was huge, and they can just say that. And, and so it's different for Brighton and Huddersfield. They can only go up a certain. You only allowed to raise it a certain level each year. Newcastle but have no any. But both Brighton and Huddersfield will. Uh, it's about seventy. It's mid seventies. Oh yeah, And they and their wage bills were tiny compared so they can go and spend money um, but I think what what Brighton and Huddersfield have done um, is not necessarily spent mega money you know 14 million doesn't get you a lot striker wise now they've gone out and taken a, ga- a gamble in, in Holland but they've recognised that they needed to get um, players in in areas of weakness and they've gone out and got those players 
they've done it within a budget that probably where they'll think if we go down we can probably we can probably keep those players with the parachute money that we've got Newcastle obviously have you know they do have a budget that they've got to stick to and I appreciate that but so does Rafa as well but you know you could generate money by potentially going out and selling those players you know Newcastle would have sold Shelby they would have sold Mitrovic they would have sold Gale over these last two windows Rafa would have done that if he'd have felt like he could go and trade and get a better player but he's because of what's happened in the last three windows, he's now not confident in the club doing business well. So he will keep those players and it will lead to Newcastle having to... I mean, he's going to have to, I think, probably now reintegrate Mitrovic, which is a difficult thing to do because, you know, Gale's not... Gale is going backwards. Josselu is, what he is, six million pound striker in a in a era where 40 million gets you British on the longer. You know, that's what he is. Perez will get the odd goal, but they've got some really big games coming up. What concerns me is now, if you look at every single other team in the bottom half of the Premier League, or the 12 teams are really in the relegation scrap, and discount the central defence, because I think Newcastle got a strong central defence, and maybe even in the midfield, you can argue, but you look at the attacking positions out wide and up front, and I would say Newcastle have the least of them all. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the other teams either have a really good attacking midfielder who can make something happen, or they have a striker who could score goals, or they've got both. West Brom have gone out of Daniel Sturridge, which would have given Newcastle something like that. All these other teams have that Newcastle, and that's why they've only got 22 goals in 24 games. The reason they went down two years ago was because they didn't score enough goals. They're in, a, they're in the same ball at the moment, and they haven't addressed the problem. Well, that was my next question. Obviously, Sidia uh, Dumbia came in when McLaren was managing Newcastle, needed goals. That's who they got. Didn't work. He was unfit, hadn't played for a while. History's sort of repeating itself, and you mentioned relegation there, but you could also argue, well, you know, two relegations as Mike Ashley, it's 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 his fault in a way for not maybe splashing the cash on the, the way he should do to secure Newcastle as a Premier League side. I think there's, I think you can argue that to a certain extent, but when they went down two years ago, it wasn't necessarily the case that they hadn't spent the money; they just didn't spend it very wisely. They in the summer before and actually in the January transfer window they did spend money but they brought in players who really weren't they signed Henri Savier and then went and signed John Joe Shelby they spent 16.5 million or 17 million on the two of those when they needed a striker so they went and addressed other problems and didn't address the actual issue they signed Mitrovic the summer before which was an investment that, that proved to be not very shrewd they signed Ronaldo who actually was a success to a certain degree and they ended up making a profit from so I don't think that it's just that there's been mismanagement all the way through but I don't think it's necessarily they didn't invest that year they just didn't they just didn't do wisely this year they've gone the opposite they've tried to be frugal all the way through um, as, as Mark said Rafa wasn't asking for bucket loads of cash but he saw Willy Caballero was playing goal on Saturday for Chelsea he's been in he's barely featured really in the league only had a couple of appearances there Benitez would have been frustrated sadly, on the touchline because he thought he should have been his, his keeper Tammy Abraham, yes, it hasn't really worked out from the season, but Benitez wanted him. Um, that, that's where Newcastle are short. They, they haven't actually addressed the issues. They spent money two years ago but didn't address the issues they had. They haven't spent money this year and they've done exactly the same. It's all the little things as well that, that, that you know, we, we kind of you know, mentioned about Caballero, you know, getting him in. would have you know, Once you've got one domino, it sets all the others off. And they've got a goalkeeper in Freddie Woodman who's outstanding and he's going to be probably, I think, play for England one day. He'll definitely be involved in it with England one day. And we've seen with Joe Hart how you know, goalkeepers now are retaining massive value. 
The problem is that you, because you now probably aren't going to get the goalkeeper in that Newcastle wanted, they didn't get him in the summer, it means that Woodman has to stay at Newcastle. Woodman's contract will be up in um, a couple of years. You know, he, he's frustrated because he's sat on the sidelines not playing. You know, he doesn't forget. Newcastle have a progression plan that they need to put in place for players like Woodman. And that's the problem. It's not just the fact that they're not winning on the pitch. It's, it's that you've got a man in there in Rafa Benitez who knows all of these things, has seen it, has worked with proper European clubs, knows that, you know, you're going to create problems by not bringing players in. And that's, and, and he just doesn't seem to have been listened to. And I think that's what... That's what's frustrating and that's what effectively um, is the problem. You know, you've now, it's not that in previous windows things have gone wrong and, and it hasn't really bled out too much. You've had the manager coming in and going, well, I'll just get on with it and what I want. You've got a manager in there now who is very political, um, you know, is I think now feathering his own nest a little bit and say, and, you know, he's, because he feels they don't do it, they're not doing it on behalf of him. He's very much like now, I think, although he's not doing it publicly, he's effectively sort of looking after himself in a lot of the public utterances he wants the club to do well he's looking after himself because he knows the impact of some of these decisions and if he's got a long-term plan he knows look if I'm going to be here in 10 years Freddie Woodman I want to be my goalkeeper and we want us to be in the top 10 and all this that and the other and he knows that this is this is going to have an impact on the long-term planning and that's the problem of a, a window like this and it seems that no matter how many times you tell Newcastle no matter how many times Mike Ashley gets warned about it Lee Charney gets told about it um Justin Barnes, whoever, they're not listening. And that's the problem. And that's why we go back to them needing new ownership and a new approach. But, you know, they've got 48 hours, less than 48 hours now to try less and... Less than 36. Less than 36 hours, sorry. To try and salvage something, anything. And what worries me is that it doesn't feel at the moment like they're ready to move on anything. I've heard of little rumours here and there um, that apparently they've got somebody in the Bundesliga who they might be interested in who could come in, but... You know they're going to have to move quickly, and they they're going to have to move very very quickly. Newcastle haven't done deals like this quickly in the past, and I think you know it doesn't bode well at the moment. I could be look stupid when uh, Chris comes back onto the podcast in, uh, and, and you'll hear the late, but I, it's not looking good, and it hasn't looked good since Friday, and I think that's why Saturday or some, sorry Monday with Surridge was a bit of a relief and a bit of this kind of surge of excitement was because wow, it looks like they're actually going to do something. But as it turned out, by the time the stories were um, out and we were all discussing it, he'd already made the decision to move to West Brom. <laughs> I was just going to make the point that, that, and this is probably for a whole different podcast, but what, what really, I think that this window has shown the issues at the top at Newcastle that as much criticism as Lee Charney might come under, I actually feel sorry for him in a lot of ways because if you look at how any other football club or any other large business is run, you don't just have that one man at the top who's basically doing everything. This month he's had to try and sort out transfers. There's a lot of off-field issues, both with HMRC and PRBT and everything that's going on there. He's basically the sole decision-maker in theory at the top, yet he doesn't have the power to make those sole decisions because he has to go through Mike Ashley, he has to go through Justin Barnes. And there is there are some serious issues there, and I think that that, that they really need to have a sit-down to think if Mike Ashley's going to be a long-term, the board situation needs to change. There needs to be more support for Lee Charney there. There needs to be others in the decision-making process because it's too much for one man to be able to do. Tomorrow, tomorrow, for example, there's a game going on in the evening. Lee Charney can't necessarily be there to represent the club because he's going to have to be there, hopefully, signing players off the pitch, and the whole thing is just... It just seems like it's very, very stretched. And you can say what you want about 
whether you think Lee Chong is competent in his job or not, that's a different issue. The fact of the matter is he's far too stretched and has far too much he has mm. to do. I do agree with that, yeah. I do agree with that. There's a there's a lack of... Uh, and the problem is then when you add another layer of uh, Justin Barnes, and we're not really clear what Justin Barnes is actually doing. Not officially um, club employee, or at least the one confirmed. Yeah, and, that, and that's a problem. We've asked for clarification on Justin Barnes quite a few times. I think unofficially we kind of know what he's in there to do, which is probably to keep the club running in a ship-shaped manner, ready to, to be sold. Um, so that means, you know, examining every little line of the budget and things like that. Um, but, you know, if he's there to grow the club, I've yet to see much much evidence of that. He's, nothing's happened in the last year since he's been there to suggest that they are growing as a club and trying to progress. It feels like they're, they're just being kept ticking along for a sale. Just quickly there, a few names um, and your take on it. Slomani, you think that's a realistic target? There's interest there, but um, other clubs will be further ahead in terms of having tried to sign them. So, again, Newcastle will find themselves in a storage situation, but there is interest there, so they will try for them. Um, will Newcastle go back for Jorgensen, or is that just dead in the water now? Uh, well, they've been told by Feyenoord it's dead in the water. I think if Newcastle come in with a, with a high offer, then I think Feyenoord would come back around the table, but Newcastle haven't shown any inclination to do that so far. I don't think they've got the funds to do that, so I don't expect it. Mark, uh, Mangala from Manchester City? No, no, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I don't really know where that's come from. They don't need a centre-back. Um, the loan, they've only got two Premier League loans. They've already got Kennedy, so... They're working on trying to fill the other slot with a Premier League striker. So I, I don't. That came completely from left field. He was on the list in the summer. He was on the list. He was on the list a few weeks ago as well when they thought Mbemba might go. But I don't think it's likely that Mbemba's going to go. So there, there is a, I think there is an interest there, but it would depend on them getting a striker from elsewhere. Kramanishik, Kramanich, from Sparta. Uh, so from Victoria <laughs> Pilsen, sorry. Um, asked about him on loan with a view to a permanent move, which they don't want to do. So possibility, I suppose, but. Um, you know, are they going to then throw all their eggs into that basket? It's a risk, isn't it? It's not completely unlike. Grand, and we'll get on to what we think Rafa is going to say about the last 24 hours in just a second, but signing today, would have in time for the Burnley game tomorrow, would have boosted everyone, the players, Rafa, the Yeah, you know, it's 12 the o'clock, exactly now, actually. So, so yeah, we're <laughs> done there with that one. But it would have done, it was like last year, with Townsend, the whole Townsend saga, again, we had a home game, um, I think Newcastle got beat off uh, QPR. QPR was the day after, yeah. Yeah, and you could feel the kind of atmosphere around the stadium. And again, tomorrow, without a signing, it, it, it might be a very volatile place. Yes, I just think I've said for a few weeks, as much as anything, uh, a big striker signing. Someone like Daniel Sturridge, who's a big name in England, who there'd be a lot of excitement about, before they even did anything on the pitch, he would have given Rafa a lift, the team a lift, and more importantly, the club in general a lift, and everyone at St James's Park. If they get if they go if it gets to seven forty five tomorrow and we're sitting there and Newcastle haven't signed a striker or still trying to sign a striker, then I think that there'll be a nervousness, deflation, uh, maybe even to a certain degree, a rebellious atmosphere uh, from from certain quarters, from certain fans will be frustrated, and and that isn't going to help in a, in a home game where they haven't won at St James's in seven league matches. They they desperately need a win tomorrow, not just a draw. They really need a win to lift the place as well further so I just think that it doesn't it, it, for me the whole thing hasn't made sense that I've been saying a striker so far and it certainly won't make sense if, the, if there isn't one in by tomorrow night Do you think Newcastle can beat Burnley or will beat Burnley tomorrow? Uh, I think they can without a striker being signed without that lift I think it'll be a draw Mark? 
Uh, I think they're going to find it difficult to break Burnley down without a striker in. I, I think a draw, I think, you know, probably a better chance of beating Palace on, on Saturday, on Sunday, sorry, to be honest, because I just think at home they look nervy. Um, Chris's point's a good one about the transformative impact potentially of a striker. Imagine you're a West Brom player walking into the dressing room this morning. You've got Dan Sturridge there, stood next to you, England international. Um, you think, we're having a go here. And I'll tell you what, and it's probably not a popular opinion here, but Pardew's got a bit of momentum going at, at Liverpool. He always, uh, sorry, at West, at West Brom, always starts well. Um, and I remember speaking to West Brom people up there and I said, look, he'll, he'll have a go. We'll, we'll Pardew at the start. Starting to turn it around, they're playing well, picking up points. They've got good. They've got a good spine of their team. You know, they've got a really good spine of the team. If they keep hold of Johnny Evans as well, you'd have to say that they look. They look like they're going in the right direction. Um, and and it's that thing that Newcastle just feel like they need something just to lift them. Um, and you know, it shouldn't always be Rafa who's they're relying on to lift them. And that's the problem. It will come down to. Um, Rafa, Rafa rallying cries between now and the end of the season but why should he do it when he's not being backed next, I think you made an extra point as well that the rest of the teams down there have all got decent enough forward lines it's just maybe about confidence so we guys at West Brom starting to get back on form again he was linked with Newcastle in the summer and it's a gamble they didn't perhaps want to take you've got West Ham with Carroll if he's fit or Fernandez can start scoring Newcastle do desperately need a striker but we just keep repeating the same message over and over again yeah, it's, it, it's been the same for at least five transfer windows, probably longer, that the real issue they have and had... Well, you can ca- discount the championship season because they had Gale, who was very good at that level, but I think he's been shown this year that the Premier League probably is a step too far from him, and that's why teams haven't... Uh, why Palace didn't use him that much in the past, and Newcastle just haven't addressed that problem. Uh, it's a broken record we, of all the issues they've had over the last few years it's been quite obvious they haven't had a proven Premier League score, goal scorer but they cost you money and Newcastle haven't wanted to invest that money in the striker and you need players around him as well I mean yeah. Dwight Gale in a better Premier League team would probably do quite well because yeah. he's not a bad player no he's not a bad player um, no. but you know and I would think that Sturridge that's probably had a little bit of an impact on Sturridge's decision as well he's looked at, you know you, as I said you look at those two performances on set on over the weekend and you think, what, who? I've got 13, 14 games to get me to the World Cup. Am I going to get enough chances at Newcastle, or am I going to be isolated? You know, Michael Owen was playing for Newcastle in the twenty in the first relegation season. Good player, very good player. Scored goals when he got the opportunity, but they didn't have the players around him. And you know, players know that they're not daft. Um, you know, they, they, you need to have the, play, the team, build the team around him to go and to go and get it. Um, you know, I, for what it's worth, I think Jurgensen might have struggled to, you know, to, to make. You can't make a, a, a silk purse out of a pig's ear, you know, and that's been a little bit of the problem for Newcastle United and Rafa Benitez this season. He, he, he took a bit of stick, didn't he, about the way that Newcastle playing and all these things. But if you haven't got the players to play an attacking game, then, then you know, you can't play an attacking game at home. They're just going to try and dog it out, aren't they, until the end of the season? But the bigger problem is you get to the end of the season even they stay up and we all celebrate but what, what happens then? We're on to Benitez obviously press conference in just over an hour's time Chris I mean how do you think he's going to address the press I mean what will he say about the last 24 hours? I have to be honest I really don't know how he's going to approach this one because the last two press conferences the first one of those I was surprised with how positive he was 
but that was because he'd spoken to Mike Ashley during the week and seemingly got the green light as he termed it to go and sign players. Then the following Friday changed slightly. Um, by that stage, you could see the frustration was growing, but he kept on saying, "Oh, until I've got to believe that we'll sign someone until January thirty first. Well, we're January thirtieth, so not quite January thirty first. Is he gonna? Is he gonna come out and, and basically say that he wanted players, and this is this is frustrating now, or is he? Is he, does he know something we don't behind the scenes that something is close, and is he gonna be more positive? I think he will relay the the fact that as he did on Sunday that he wanted players earlier." That the situation is not ideal. Certainly past that stage now, and I think you'll just say that that we you'll say he's focusing on Burnley. He's left it all to Leach on to try and bring the players in and just hope the players do arrive. But I don't think that you'll be overly positive. But I don't think we're quite at the stage where he's going to come out and, and have a bit of a goal like he did at the end of last year's transfer window. I think you'll save that for after the game tomorrow. Concentration will be on Burnley. Obviously, I mean that's what he kind of relayed as well on Sunday when he was asked about. His position, he said, my position will be on the bench against Burnley. He kind of, he knows how to play the game, but at the same time, that is a very important point. It, whatever goes on off the field, Newcastle need three points mm. against Burnley. Yeah, and a lot of, and and I've seen it said by a lot of people who don't really know what's going on at Newcastle that you should just concentrate on the pitch and what's going on. Um, but um, you know, I think that Rafa is cute. I think that there's people around him who know how to play the game. And um, you know he's. Why should he sit there and and just you know trot out the message? It's what it's what did for Pardew in the end, and it it set people off against Carver, I think, and McLaren as well. So you know why should Rafa, who's on a very good contract at Newcastle, both parties you know probably feel at the moment like they're not getting what they want out of the deal. So why should why should Rafa sit there and say nothing? I think he'll probably won't. He's not going to come out and criticise his employers because he wouldn't. Um, but he's going to put the blame on somebody else. He will shift responsibility onto somebody else. I would think today. Um, why shouldn't he? This is a wider point about the transfer window in general, and, and I, I do agree with Rafa what he was saying last week that the, the transfer window needs to be changed in some ways. He was saying fifteen days. Well, the whole point of, of the Premier League teams haven't brought the summer window forward to finish before the start of the season so it doesn't affect Premier League games well this is a full month you've got it in January where that happens the integrity of the league in theory is, is, is eroded by that so it's the opposite of what they've done in the summer and you have game, you have teams playing tomorrow night when the tra- transfer window is still open so you have managers who also almost got split uh, thought processes where they're having to think can I sign players and also on the field so just in terms of the transfer window in general I think it needs to be reformed in some way in this mid-season window because I don't think it's it's helpful to anyone particularly not Newcastle United and no matter how long or short the window was and, and their recent form I have no doubt that Newcastle would find a way to cock it up in anyway but in terms of the window in general in the Premier League I think it needs to be resolved and changed in some way Right and just before we let you get off to go and meet Rafa it's the one key question that you think he's going to maybe try and uh, avoid maybe. Has Mike Ashley delivered on the promises he gave both back in, uh, in October when they said they were going to sell him back him and also two weeks ago when he told him he had the green light to go and sign players? Fantastic. Well, we'll be returning with Chris Woff when he gets back from uh, the training ground later this afternoon. Now, just a quick message from our sponsors. Today's podcast is brought to you by Powerhouse Fitness Newcastle, your home fitness store where you can save up to 50% off home fitness equipment and their biggest ever sale. 
No longer will you need to feel the unnerving sensation of another man's body heat on your saddle, sheepishly move weight under the gaze of the local beefcake, or put up with that atrocious gym music. You can support the podcast by visiting the Castle Powerhouse Fitness Store on Percy Street, or their website at www.powerhouse-fitness.co.uk, where right now you can save hundreds of pounds on treadmills, exercise bikes, weight, nutrition, and home gym packages. Hello and welcome back to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove. And I'm joined by Chris Waff, who, of course, went off to see Rafa Benitez um, on his press conference earlier this afternoon. Now, obviously, before Chris went away, we were talking about transfers and how Rafa Benitez would uh, react for the last 24 hours, given the Daniel Sturridge saga. And Chris, how was Rafa? Was he his... I think he said he was positive the last time, the last press conference before the last game, uh, before the Chelsea game. How was he this time around? I wouldn't say he was positive. Um, he wasn't keen to talk about transfers at all. The very first question, as you would expect, was about transfers, and he said his focus was on Burnley. He didn't want to talk about transfers. And then the first reporter said to him, "Well, you do understand we need to ask you these questions." And he sort of resigned. And he said, "Yeah, yeah, I do realise." And uh, every time there's a question put to him about it, he just gave a similar sort of answer where he was saying, "Look, um, my focus is on Burnley. We still have time." I'm still positive we can do something. I still hope we'll bring in new bodies. But to me, it seemed that it was the mood of a man who it was almost, I wouldn't say passive, but just, as I say, resigned to the fact that this is the situation. He's been in this situation two transfer windows previous to this as well, and he's exactly the same scenario this time last year. And I think he's just sort of accepting of the fact that it's likely he is going to get minimal resources through the door by kick-off tomorrow or by 11pm tomorrow and if he is going to get anyone um, I don't think it's going to paper over the cracks he still feels he's in a squad What about Daniel Sturge? Obviously it was felt that everything had been agreed he was meant to be on his way up um, obviously Benitez got excellent contacts down there in Liverpool what did he have to say about the about Daniel Sturridge joining West Brom? He said he wouldn't talk about names. He didn't want to, to disclose anything about any deals they've been looking at. He wouldn't come in Jorgensen either. Um, but I mean, my understanding is that they, they did know all the figures of Sturridge. They knew about all of the issues. And it wasn't a case of not paying the money. They, they, they were prepared to pay the loan fee. They were prepared to meet his wages. Um, but in the end, Sturridge chose to go to West Brom. And part of the, reason, part of the problem behind that is because Newcastle left it so late that West Brom had been chasing them for a while they were ahead of them really in terms of the pecking order of trying to get storage so uh, yes Benitez has the contacts at Liverpool he'd had scouting reports done he'd had background reports done um, I don't think storage to be honest was, was that high up the list because of his injury record um, and the fact that he hasn't been playing that much Newcastle were looking the, the likes of Jorgensen further up the list but once that didn't happen um, he had a resort to 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 going for someone like Sturridge, who he I think he th- thinks would have been a a positive signing for Newcastle, but again he wasn't anywhere near the first choice, and they've ended up missing out on him. So whoever they do bring in, I think it's going to be quite far. If if anyone, it's going to be quite far down the list. Now, of course, Benitez says you know he's still confident that something can happen in the next twenty four hours or so. But did his face tell the same story? Obviously, you were sat kind of there in the room with him, and often. You know, he knows how to play this game very well. But did you get the fact? Did you get the sense that his body language was telling the same story as what he was actually saying? I don't think it was his body language is as confident as what he said. I think that he's he's saying he's confident, but really, I think he's more hopeful. He knows there is still time to do things, so he's hopeful that something might happen. 
but confident I think is 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 a bit too far. He used the term himself, but I, I don't think deep down that's the impression he gave off. Certainly, he didn't want to talk about transfers. Really, he wanted to concentrate on the game, and he just doesn't seem to me like a man who's expecting additions. I think he's hopeful that they might happen, but it's not the same tone as a few weeks ago when he said he expects signs. And you wrote a piece, obviously, when you got out that he was remaining calm for now. Do you expect, if the worst does happen in Newcastle, do not sign a striker for things to escalate slightly? Or how do you think Benitez is going gonna, is gonna to deal with that eventuality? If no one arrives by the end of tomorrow's game, uh, I think it'll be dependent on the result, to be honest, how he responds. If Newcastle go and win, then I think there will be a large amount of positivity from him and just he'll just say, look, we have what we have now and we'll move on. And he'll he'll give a bit of a pointed message, but then just move on from that. If they get beat tomorrow, or if it's a disappointing draw, then I think he might do similar to what happened last year after the QPR game when uh, he gave a pointed interview on Sky and then also a pointed press conference. And I remember him being asked, um, "What? Why is the no player was being brought through the door?" And, he, and he, his response was, "It wasn't my decision." And then he was asked something again. And he just went, "It wasn't my decision." So I expect a similar, similarly terse response to questions about transfers if Newcastle don't say anyone tomorrow and if there's not a positive result. He was asked have the board have the hierarchy back did you feel you've got the back and that you you were promised or that you need and his reaction was was quite coy just as it was on Sunday when he was asked about his position it was kind of the focus is is, is Burnley um do, do the fans buy that do you think? No, I mean, today he was quite pointed in response. He just said uh, it won't change anything for this game. So I think that that in itself, what he didn't say, basically tells you more than what he did say. And uh, he clearly doesn't feel that the support's been there or at least the the ability to get deals completed as as he feels he should have done. Um, Newcastle fans, or at least a large proportion of them, will question whether he has had that support. And rightly so. I mean, Newcastle have only signed one player on loan for a loan fee of between 1.5 and 2 million I think that's the only outlay they've got this month and his wages which aren't astronomical they're fairly high but they're not astronomical and apart from that they are yet to sign anyone with now what uh, time is it now it is quarter four is it quarter four so we have what 31 hours left in the window or something 30, 30 odd hours left anyway in the window um, and Newcastle are still in this position so I think that Going forward, there has to be question marks again about Benitez's long-term future if players don't come through the door in the next 36 hours. But even if they do, then I still think there has to be some doubt just because um, he isn't satisfied with how Newcastle are conducting their transfer business at the minute and there needs to be a conversation that's had and there needs to be some sort of uh, meeting between him and Ashley where they decide going forward well, what's going to happen because at the moment it really isn't working. Uh Potential exits, obviously, names that we thought might go out. Xavier, Callback, you know, Mitrovic is still touted as a possible uh, exit. Mikel Marino was a new one today. Um, what did Benitez say, or did he have anything to say about potential exits? About Marino, he, his response was, uh, yeah, a few of my Spanish journalist friends texted me about it, and I told them no, no chance. Um, so Marino's not going anywhere. First-team players, in terms of players who've been playing recently, I don't expect any of them to go. I think it's very unlikely that Sidora and Savi will go. Callback, there's still a chance he could go. Aaron's on loan, still a chance. Sterry, um, Benitez wasn't drawn on any of these, but he's just saying that there could be. He basically said that the squad might not include some players who could leave, 
it's essentially any player who could be the next day. So about Mitrovic, he was asked and he said that they've had an offer from a few clubs, but again, they are waiting on a striker arriving before they would let him go. So he's his future is going to come down the last 24 hours and uh, he's not going to feature against Burnley by the sounds of things. Um, in terms of other exits, Shelby again has been linked away, but Benitez just uh, it's never it's been a non-starter really from the beginning. Uh, he's not going anywhere. Um so in terms of outgoings, I think that the, the likelihood is if Newcastle sign a striker, Mitrovic will go probably, and Aaron's might go on loan, and then if they can offload Callback and Sterry. But apart from that, I don't really see that much in terms of exits from Newcastle. Benitez has made it clear that Mitrovic will not go unless a striker comes in. In your opinion, can you foresee the circumstance where a bid comes in and the board go, OK, Mitrovic can go... And Benitez has left the striker down. No, I mean I know that the, there is a lot of doubt with fans who'll say um, they've done it before. Why would they not do it again? I suppose there is a scenario where if they get an astronomical bid, then maybe that happens. But I don't. I just don't see it. I don't. I don't think that's likely to happen. Benitez is the one who has the final say on transfers. He keeps stressing that, so he's not going to allow Mitrovic to go unless Newcastle have someone in. Uh, obviously. Burnley tomorrow it's a bit of a distraction the window closing he mentioned that he thinks the window should close prior to any game kicking off I mean how important is tomorrow uh, in terms of Newcastle's Premier League survival it's huge and Benitez kept reiterating that himself people kept pushing him and saying will you be on the phone the game will you will you be focusing on off your issues and he just joked well, I'm not allowed my mobile in the uh, dugout and, and things like that and he's saying look I, I'll try and separate away from that and my focus has to just be on the football and it is a huge game Newcastle don't have that many winnable or games you'd look at and think are eminently winnable between now and the end of the season this one is regardless of the fact Burnley are in the top 8 they're not in great form themselves they're going to be a very hard team to break down and Newcastle's home form isn't very good but the next two games and, and over the next few days are, are very very important they need a minimum of a point really tomorrow. A, a win will be excellent. So for Benitez, it's about trying to get, get that from his team and trying to secure a win because I think that would lift everyone, particularly if the end of the, the window does prove to be deflating, then a win will at least give confidence. Whereas if they if they lose, then I think that it will be a very, very gloomy and long next few weeks. I mean, for the neutral, I don't want to put a damn on it, but I believe Burnley have won, haven't won in seven. Newcastle haven't won at home in seven. It doesn't take to be the most exciting game. Newcastle fans might say that you know any bad record a club has just come to St James's Park and we'll we'll always hand you the victory kind of thing. It's happened before. Newcastle fans are going to be down. They're going to be nervous, aren't they? Because of the off-field issues. I mean, the the atmosphere is going to play a key role. It will play a key role, um, and I think that I understand that fans, particularly if no signings arrive by that stage, will come to the ground frustrated. And I fully understand the, the, the desire to, to air those frustrations, but I don't know how helpful it's going to be tomorrow night, particularly from the start. Maybe it's, it's keep them until later on and, and, and make a few chants during the game, whatever, if you want to. I'm not, I'm not going to tell any fan how to support the club, but I just think in terms of... it's not. I don't think it's necessarily going to be helpful to the players on the pitch if there is a real negative atmosphere out there. So um, it is going to be nervy... And Burnley, as much as people keep telling me that that, that they've progressed, and obviously they have in terms of position at the table, and this is from coming from someone who watches Newcastle, and I know that they're 
pretty poor to watch most of the time. Burnley, for me, are not, are not a great team to watch, even at the best of times. I don't think they're exciting to watch, so um, I don't expect a thriller. There's not been many thrillers at St James's Park in all honesty this season, so I think it's going to be a nervy, long evening, but hopefully one that Newcastle can just edge, because they've had a few of these games, including the one at Turf Moor, where they've been one nil either way and majority have been edged against Newcastle so it'll be nice if they could turn that table slightly finally one plus no, obviously Kennedy looks like he'll be involved in some manner uh, exciting young player who will get the fans off the seat and if he is the only signing to come in at least he's going to be an exciting one yeah I mean let's hope that he isn't the only one but he is exciting he's something a bit different gives him that left wing back option can also play both wings uh, can play at left back, uh, raw still, but has power, has pace, loves to beat a man and cross the ball in the box, and hopefully he, he will get fans off the season. Hopefully he's the sort of player Newcastle need in home games because sometimes they've been a bit uh, one-paced and when teams have sat off them, they haven't had someone who can beat a man and really create something out of nothing. So that's what they're going to need from him and Atsu and players like that in the next few weeks because goals have been hard to come by, so they need someone who's going to bring that something a little bit different. And are we expecting Lee Charlie or Mike Ashley to make an appearance tomorrow, do you think? Oh, Mike Ashley hasn't been there all season, so I wouldn't necessarily expect that. I haven't heard that he's going to be there. Lee Charnley, well, it'll be an interesting one because if he is there, then either Newcastle will be closed for business or he's delegated to someone else by that stage. So um, at this stage, I think I don't necessarily expect it to see from the start of the game, but maybe be there during the game itself, it, unless Newcastle have closed for business by that stage, and it's quite clear they're not getting anyone. Fantastic. And your understand or maybe not understand your gut instincts, are we are you feeling that'll be a striker coming in tomorrow? I can't really stick my neck out on the line because I just at this stage I generally don't know. It really is looking for option Z at the moment for Newcastle. It's just who they can get in. Um I'm gonna say at this moment in time it's no better than fifty fifty. Sitting on the fence. Fantastic. <laughs> If you head over to chroniclelive.co.uk, we'll be bringing you a live blog of the transfer deadline day from 3am tomorrow, so we'll be up bright and early all the way through, and of course, the match, all the build-up, all the team news, and all the live match action as well, over on the website. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, and share the podcast, whether that be through iTunes, Boom, Spotify, or whichever platform you may be listening through. And if you want to get involved with the podcast, you can do so via our social media channels. We're over on Twitter at Chronicle NUFC and on Facebook at the same handle, Chronicle NUFC. We want your questions, your topics, your feedback. So why don't you drop us a line and get in touch?